0: This is a crowd podcast.
1: Hello, I'm Garin Thomas. And I'm Tom Fordyce. And you've just entered the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club. Brought to you by Zwift, the indoor cycling app where fun is fast. Welcome. Tom, another week, another
2: episode of the GTCC. Yeah, it is, G. Uh, Things seem to be getting a bit more hectic for you now because the racing season has begun and this podcast, I'm not saying it was ever your total focus, but it is having to squeeze around your racing calendar a bit, isn't it? I mean, that's commitment, to be fair.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, though, it's high up on the list of priorities, actually, Tom, you know, just narrowing behind racing.
2: Yeah, it's (laughs)
1: probably in front of training camps, to be fair do all my training around the podcast family uh yeah it comes ahead of family and everything mate yeah good stuff I'm fully in (laughs) (laughs) but uh no yeah it's it's just busy now you know I go from race to training camp to you know I'm home for a week or so and then back away again and kind of just this is when fully living out of a suitcase now so never in one place more than sort of like well the longest place I am is probably Tenerife for two weeks and then you know a week at home a race back home for four or five days, whatever, you go to maybe some recons, and so yeah, it's full-on, but um, yeah, this breaks up a bit, you know, the only problem is Wi-Fi connection in some hotels can be a bit dodgy, especially in a race if there's a few teams in the hotel, and obviously all the riders are jumping on, so at least if you try and do it as massage is happening, at least half the riders are getting massaged <laughs> while I'm doing this, so i got a bit more bandwidth. I don't know. I don't know how they managed to do it years ago because, obviously, with the Grand Slam match um, with Wales in the Six Nations a few weeks ago, now, oh, I really struggled to. I didn't have any phone reception. We uh, yeah. were in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I know. As if you can't get phone reception these days, eh? And then, the hotel had Wi-Fi, but it was super slow, and I didn't have a VPN to stream like uh, iPlayer. So basically, I was just screwed. So. I just went old school. Got BBC Radio Wales on, and, uh, yeah, listened to it on the radio. So it was different, but, and also a, a new appreciation for those boys because commentating on a game and describing it, you never really think about it, do you? But for I could never do that. Like I struggle to just explain how to ride a team pursuit, you know. <laughs> like, and these boys are saying what's happening in the game. So yeah, fair play. It was um, yeah, it was different. Shame about the result, but yeah,
2: you know. By the way, your sunglasses, um, tan line, your panda eyes are coming on an absolute treat now you're out in the sun a bit. (laughs) Yeah, that's because I'm racing
1: more, I guess, because when I'm training, I do try and take my glasses off every now and again. When you are on a pill, you know, try and even it out a bit because, yeah, panda eyes aren't the most sort of, you know, tan lines are one thing on your legs, but people don't really see that so often. Yeah, panda eyes is a bit different, especially with all the face masks going on now as well, you know, it's... It, uh, it's, it's not a sight, but just the things we got to put up with. Tom, you know, being a pro, is, it's a hard
2: life. It's a brutal life, isn't it? I think my favourite ones are the ones where someone's got quite a distinctive arm on their sunglasses, and they get even a sort of a little white stripe from their from their sort of the end of their eyebrow to their ear. Even helmet straps. That's like that's it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, that's another level. That is. Luckily, I don't get them. Yeah, there's a few boys that have like sort of lines from you know their sideboards down to their whatever it's called chin thing. Ends of their chin. Face corner. Face corner. There we go. Right,
2: let's get on with the show. Right, G, so I'm going to stick with a the theme that's emerged in the podcast so far for our next episode. I'm going to choose a topic that I've got absolutely no experience of. So today's episode is about winning. <laughs> nice. I like it. So you never won a bike race? Well... I've won back in the day. I used to win triathlons, but I know the high regard that road cyclists hold uh, the the cycling abilities and the handling abilities of triathletes. <laughs> so I'm slightly <laughs> low to mention that because if I if I said I'd never rode ridden my bike ever before, you would still probably think I could ride my bike better than a triathlete. Yeah, probably
1: would actually, isn't it? It's one of those <laughs> uh, bad names triathletes have, I guess. But and Cameron Worth just solidified that as well in this team. So
2: yeah. Yeah, I, there was something I won in a, foot, in a football team I used to play for in London. We once won the Wimbledon and District League Cup, and uh, I think it had been won by three teams who would won the FA Cup because it had been won by Wimbledon, and I think in about eighteen ninety it had been won by Clapham Rovers or something like that. It to, we won the FA Cup when it didn't matter, and that was an amazing day. It wasn't winning the tour. But it was it was an amazing celebration afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I played for Cubs actually. I had a Cubs
1: football team, and uh, yeah, we won we won the league. But then the organisers or whatever found out that one of our goalkeeper was overage by four months, and they docked us some points, so we didn't four win. months. <laughs> yeah, that was emotional. God, and that cost you the title, did it? It did, yeah. But we won like uh, we won the cup and the a side. We smashed it out of the park, but. Yeah, that's the only reason I was in Cubs, just for
2: that. <laughs>
1: I'm, sure I'm making out like I can play football here, but yeah, two left feet really. But I was quick,
2: down the wing, bang. Yeah, I imagine you had a decent engine as well, did you?
1: Yeah, yeah, I could keep going. I mean, you were but... only
2: seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, compared to the other guys, but no, yeah, good times. The weird thing about cycling is you could go your whole career and never win because of the number of you in the field. Like, people always say it's hard to bet on golf because of the number of contenders. It's why even at, like, Tiger Woods' peak, when he was winning a crazy number of, of golf tournaments, you could still pick him up for sort of eight or nine to one going into a major. And and cycling is like that to, to the nth degree, isn't it? It's it's so much harder to win a race. Let's say, how many rides you got at the Tour? Let's say 180-odd at the Tour. Each day, you've only really got one winner out of all that.
1: Yeah, yeah, and the Tour, you know, it's high chance that a couple of riders win a few stages so it's 21 stages you could easily finish the tour with only 10 people actually winning a stage um you know some sprinters might end up winning four, three or four five you know i think calves won five in one tour maybe you know he's won 30 stages yeah. altogether. so prolific so yeah it is a, it is a funny way because you know as we've said in previous pods you grow up as a junior you win generally you don't turn professional without having won any bike races and then you join the pro ranks and yeah depending on how you go you end up finding your little niche and and what you're good at and some people continue to go up that ladder and graduate and others just sort of stay stay where they are and yeah plenty of guys can can finish their career without even winning a race which is um crazy really yeah Hello. Um, hello there. What voice do you want me to do? We'll do a little bit. I'll
2: just do my voice, Do I? your voice. Yeah, thanks.
1: Hello, I'm Joe Marla. People think I hate people, but I don't. <laughs> I actually love interaction with people. I love finding out what jobs they do,
2: and whether I could do what they do. The Joe Marlow Show. Joe Marlow Show. With new episodes every Wednesday. The GTCC are delighted to be sponsored by our friends at Amp Human. They're dedicated to helping athletes at all levels achieve their potential, even amateurs like me. Amp's flagship product PR Lotion is the world's first and only lotion to deliver the natural electrolyte bicarb to the body. Now, gee, this all sounds quite fancy, but you've been using it for what a couple of years now. Does it help? Yeah, definitely. And it's not. Just any old ad, this either, you know, to try and get a bit
1: of cash in to help produce the pod. But I genuinely feel like it does help kind of lather it on wherever you want, whatever muscles are working. So, yeah, bang it all over my legs for any hard
2: session or, uh, yeah, time trial. Well, there's studies as well that show a 50% reduction in muscle soreness when using PR lotion. And you can benefit too with 25% off your next purchase using the code GTCC25. That's the letters GTCC and the number 25. Just visit amphuman.com forward slash GTCC and start training with your PR lotion today. Right, Tom, so I've gone out and I've found a proper winner
1: for you. She's a World and Commonwealth Games road race champion, Olympic silver medalist, four-time British road race champion, and also won a world title on the track too. Today's guest, Lizzie Deignan. Welcome.
0: Thanks. Thanks for having me on.
2: Listen, Lizzie, I've got so many questions about winning because it's something that's never happened to me. Um, So my first question, and this this is for both of you really, what I'd like to know of someone who doesn't win is what is it like the moment you cross the line? Literally the moment you cross the line and you've won, what's it like?
0: For me, it's changed over the years, actually. I'd say I've I've definitely learned to enjoy winning more than I used to. So I think in the early part of my career, I was just kind of really hard on myself and putting lots of pressure on myself and kind of got a bit stale and a bit. A bit weird, I don't know. And for me, having my maternity leave and having my daughter and coming back to the sport has really made me appreciate winning more. I definitely don't take any win for granted and I've learned to just try and be in that moment and not refocus on the next goal. I think that's it's really important to try and enjoy the win in the moment and I've definitely tried to get better at that.
1: Yeah, I agree. Obviously, I haven't physically had a baby myself, but I think with... <laughs> with age I think you realise like it's not a given winning and I think it depends on what's happened before if you've had a few setbacks injury or whatever it definitely um, it's all the more sweeter when you do win and that elation and because like when, when I won the first Olympic title in Beijing 2008 obviously at the time you enjoyed it and it was amazing feeling like you know it's something I'd you know I remember sitting and watching Barcelona Olympics when was that? 92 yeah and I'd always dreamt of just being in the Olympics but then I think because there was no pressure on us in Beijing it was everything was just like a whirlwind and a bonus and then yeah London especially that was a massive it was I wouldn't say it was more relief but it was definitely a lot of relief in there rather than just the elation of winning because we had so much pressures. like like Tom you've said in in previous podcasts so our team pursuit that's a that's a gimme that's a that's Olympic gold we can tick that off before the Olympics even start, you know, and that type of pressure. But yeah, I think especially when you get a bit older, you really sort of appreciate winning more. And there's no better feeling that those five, ten seconds when you realise I'm gonna win, and then you win, and you're just like the euphoria of that is uh
2: is special for sure. Lizzie, the way you celebrated yours, like if if I think three of your biggest wins, when you win the the world's road race in Richmond in 2015 you've got that beautiful celebration which is you put your hand over your mouth as if to go oh my god
0: <laughs> yeah completely but I was get I was a favorite going into that and I piled so much pressure on myself to to win it and I it was all going a bit too well like the race was just like playing out in my hands and I was totally in control and I just didn't even feel tired and I was I just kind of crossed the line I was like Flipping, heck, you know, that all, that did just happen. That was my <laughs> first reaction. And yeah, I sometimes regret that finish. I think, oh, it would be nice to have a picture with my arms up in the air. But uh, yeah, it was it was very
2: genuine. Sometimes they're too tight, though, aren't they, to to think about your celebration or even to be sure you've won until right at the very death. Like I'm thinking about when you win Flanders. In twenty sixteen and that's a two up sprint and it goes right to the wire. And then when you win La Course last year in twenty twenty, when it's you and Mariana Voss, it's like like nothing is decided until the end. So we can't blame you for not taking the time to zip up the jersey, point to the sky, whatever it's gonna be, pull a picture of all <laughs> out of your back pocket. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think uh, there's definitely some experience that comes into that. I like my first experience of almost winning was when I was a junior and uh, it was, I got a silver medal in the scratch race at the world championships. The girl next to me has got a full on lunge and I'm there with my like uh, elbows bent. And I remember my coach at the time was just so ashamed that I didn't lunge for the line. And I think ever since then, I've never dared quite not lunge for the line. So. It's a mistake you don't make twice.
1: At least you haven't celebrated and then actually come second. There's nothing worth When you yeah. see that <laughs> happening, you're just like, oh no, he didn't just do that, did he? <laughs> yeah,
0: that's pretty awkward. Although I did win in uh, the women's tour, celebrated, took my arms off, crashed directly after the line, took out loads of people. So that, that was a bit embarrassing as well
2: didn't you slide across the line once in a cyclocross race early in your career yeah when you given it the big one and you ended up on your. yeah race? i wasn't going to bring that up tom but thanks for that so <laughs> yeah basically
1: it was just a random cross cyclocross race i just made a big money transfer to a, another rival cardiff club um there was no money involved but um they were just like another club in cardiff went there they helped me out they had the local bike shops Cyclopedia, like and um yeah, it was the first race I'd done with them. And obviously, Cross is generally pretty muddy, which I just told, it was the first one. I just totally forgot about that and just started freewheeling across the line, giving it like pulling my jersey. I was only like 15. I thought I was like <laughs> Cipollini or someone. And I basically just stopped within <laughs> two meters, no momentum at all. Luckily, I was across the line, but yeah, on my ass uh, immediately afterwards. Yeah, so not my best moment. <laughs>
2: What makes a great celebration then for, for you two when, you, when you've either done it yourself or when you've seen a fellow elite rider do it? What are the great celebrations? What are the, the massive no-nos, do you think?
0: I love to see tears. I think there's nothing better than a couple of tears. Post-race interview where someone's crying, it's like, oh. especially a fella. That's always nice to see.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you, you want to see all that emotion for sure. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure about celebrations that are like thought about beforehand obviously it shows confidence but also it's a bit like oh come on i don't know i don't know. I think like when it's more spontaneous and just like how you feel at the time but do you remember carlos sastra when he i think he had recently had a baby and he took out a dummy and he went across the line with a dummy in his mouth maybe his baby might have been three by then i don't know he maybe he'd had this dummy with him for three years but <laughs> it's 14 <laughs> yeah yeah i'm more of a spontaneous celebration type of Although saying that, I I tend to just do the same one all the time anyway. I kind of do like a a weird sort of like punch the air, like a bit like a throw in a tennis ball almost, and then hands down (laughs) by me just like,
2: yeah, giving a bit of a roar. Yours is quite football, I think, G. like The one when you won an outdoors in 2018, when you sort of, you do like, the the, you clench both your fists and then pull them back towards you. That's not particularly psychic. No, it's not. No, it's kind of like I'm about to do some bicep
1: curls or something, isn't it? But <laughs> Which you to be fair you probably need to do. Yeah, I blatantly don't do any. What about you, Lizzie? Do you have any a go to celebration then or?
0: Uh definitely not, no. i d I'm yeah. I mean the first race back that I won after having all that, it, it's just the most embarrassing finished photo. Like my jersey's completely <laughs> wide open. And <laughs> my helmet's wonky, my glasses are wonky. I just look huh. delighted that I've like managed to do it. So that's kind of especially one of my favourite photos because it's just so honest. It's
1: just what do you like, find is better, winning alone or you know like in a in a two-up sprint or something? You know because I think in a sprint it's a bit more sort of like the emotion is suddenly like wow yeah I've won. right? Whereas on your own you get to enjoy it more, but it's a bit less. You don't really hit the real. Excitement. You don't get the
0: same high, I don't think. No, I think for me the favorite kind of win is some of the races I've done this year. And my teammate Elisa Longo Borghini, they've been really tactical, so we've kind of played off each other. And it's it's when we kind of win that final game, is when it's sweetest because it's yeah we've pulled it off sort of thing. Yeah, winning against Voss in La Course was pretty cool because I really didn't think I was gonna (laughs) gonna have her with about two hundred meters to go, and it was yeah one inch from the line I managed to overcome her so the close ones I think are my favourite actually
2: when does it kick in that feeling does it does it take a little bit of time to percolate in
0: yeah I think it it does for me but it's one of those things you it's always with hindsight or retrospect that you think god I was flying then oh god it was great to win then and
1: yeah and I think cycling there's always especially if it's in a stage race there's always another day you want to really enjoy that moment and you kind of do but then you're also like oh got a to stage tomorrow, I need my recovery, I need to warm down, I need to stay off my feet. And you're thinking all this rather than just thinking, holy shit, just
2: won on Op or whatever, you know? What happens in the immediate aftermath of a victory? Because if, if us like watching on TV, we, we see you cross the line, arms up, hand over mouth, wh- whatever it might be, and then we might see a, a shot of you with your soigneur having a, a, a jacket draped over your shoulders, but we don't see the rest of it until you appear on the podium. So what's the routine for when you win?
0: Well, if you're lucky or unlucky, it depends on what kind of security you get at the finish. Some of them are just awful, and they kind of manhandle you into the podium before you've even had a chance to like get a jacket on. You know, I think it's probably different from my experience to something like G at the Tour de France. I mean, I'm sure being in the yellow jersey is completely different protocol, but it's generally just busy, and you don't your feet don't touch the ground until you finally sat down on the airplane home, in my experience. So it's sometimes a bit disappointing cuz you get back to the bus and everybody's already gone cuz they've got a flight to catch or whatever yeah. so <laughs> it's um you always want a bit more time with the people that made it happen in my experience but yeah the next race is already for is what people are thinking about usually
1: yeah i think like in the tour for instance especially if in like if you're in yellow it's, it is just a scrum at the finish suddenly like you've just done i don't know a 40k tt you're breathing like you you know you max and you're struggling to catch your breath. And then suddenly you've got reporters shoving a microphone in your face. Um, and then you've got photographers and you've got one soigneur with you who's sort of like your your helper, who sort of, you know, gives you your recovery drink and tries to look after you a bit. He's trying to beat away like 20 photographers. And suddenly then he, they shepherd you behind the podium. And then you're kind of immediately on your bike, warming down, got your recovery drinks. You're kind of like, well, tomorrow's a day in the mountains. So... Then you try and, in, if you have one, you sort of in, try to enjoy that bit. And then you get changed, you got podium, then you're off and you've got more sort of media. Like in the tour, for instance, you have TV first. So you might have three or four of them. Then you go to like radio, individual radio broadcasts. And then at the end, all the print sort of together. And um, generally, if you've won, you're in a good mood anyway, aren't you? And you sort of like, you float along through that. But if you sort of, if you're leading the race, you still have to do that. And you might have lost say you've been winning by two and a half minutes, suddenly you've lost two minutes and you're thirty seconds in the lead then and you're kinda of like, Wow, that was a bad day, and then you've got to go through all that protocol. That's well, luckily I haven't been in that position, but that would be tough going. You know, I haven't and it's the same questions generally, eight times, which can be a bit tedious. And then yeah, then dope control, obviously. And then after that you kinda the bus is generally gone by then because yeah, that takes a good hour or so. So then you're in, um, well, one of the team vehicles. Then and um, they've actually kitted out one of our vehicles, which is nice. So you got a big sort of it's like a first class BA seat in there. You know, it leans Ooh. back and you can stretch out. And yeah, before they did that though, they just had a lilo like in the middle, which is what. Yeah, but that was they made you feel sick. That especially like going down these alpine descents on a bloody lilo bouncing up and down. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's intense and it, it's hard to sort of really enjoy it because, as, as I say, your, your mind immediately flicks to the next day. But that's just part of it, isn't it? So,
0: And you've always got more friends, of course, when you win. So your phone's like, you've got thousands of messages <laughs> yeah, right. when, you, when you get back to your phone. And I always, like, don't give my phone to this one year because I think that's kind of tempting fate as though, So Ah. usually it takes like an hour, yeah, to get back to my phone. And then you suddenly, you know, you're desperate to talk to friends and family. But um, yeah, so that's what I mean by you don't always get to share it with the people that you really want to straight away, like your teammates and your, you know, I'd I'd love to speak to my husband straight away, but it's usually a little bit of time before that happens. I'm
1: exactly like that with Tempting Fate as well. Like before the Giro, actually, the one just gone, Oakley were fine. Because they've been trying to get me off these, you know, I wear those jawbones all the time. Which they've stopped making now, and they're trying to get me on the, these new models and stuff. And then they were like, "Oh, actually, you can you can continue to wear them." But then they were like, "Oh, all excited! Like, look, oh, look what we've got!" And show me a picture of these pink ones. And I'm like, "Oh, don't don't uh-huh. do that! Like, I don't want to see that. That's that's just tempting fate." <laughs> and then three days later, I crash out with a broken pelvis. So yeah, cheers Oakley for that.
0: Yeah. definitely.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just anything like that. I'm just like exactly the same. I do the you know the same process in the morning, like with your phone. You leave it there on the bus and generally the my swan year will will go and get it if you have had a good result but um yeah you try and just everything is normal and you don't tempt fate in in any way really
2: here's a cliche lissy that we hear quite a lot winning is a habit right is that true and if it is what does it mean
0: i think so yeah if, as soon as i've got one win under the belt they do seem to come faster after that for me it's just self confidence um I'm terrible at talking myself out of winning, uh, just talking myself down in a race like, you know, the other's better or whatever. And
1: Yeah, I agree. I think in the team as well, it's the same. You know, if your teammates are winning, like for the Olympics, for instance, like as GB, once one person starts winning, it's just that snowball and it's a good environment. And yeah, for, well, for me, I don't win as much as Lizzie. Yeah, a couple of, uh, one win or two good wins and then suddenly you're just like, yeah, it's exactly that, the confidence thing. And um, I think that's the big difference from track and road as well. In the track, especially team pursuit, you've got no time to think about it. Whereas the road where you're racing over four or five hours, that's when the mind game, like Lizzie says, you know, you can talk yourself out of it or if you're having a bit of a bad patch. And I think it's the mental game is a, is a lot tougher on the road sometimes. I'm trying to remember, Lizzie,
2: your silver in 2012, was that the first GB medal of the 2012 Olympics? Yeah, it was, yeah. I thought it was. There we go. So if if winning is if winning is a habit... You are responsible for kicking off those Olympics for Great Britain, so thanks very much. Yeah,
0: that's pleasure. Yeah, it was funny because obviously Cav was the guy that was going to start the ball rolling, and typical British press kind of were all over it when it didn't happen on the first day. And I think people looking back always say to me, "God, we were waiting for your medal." And I was like, "Yeah, I was. I was day two. <laughs> well, you know, it wasn't that far. <laughs> it
2: was too long away. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so yeah, it was. It was pretty cool to be able to say that. Yeah, it was. It was definitely. How nice. was the
1: feeling as well? Did you feel like you'd really? Won that medal rather than lost a gold.
0: It was weird. My initial thoughts were like completely towards Rio. How's that? I'll get gold in Rio. That was straight away.
2: Straight away? Like you were literally thinking of four years later on the day? Yeah, which is awful, isn't it? Wow. Um,
0: And then, and then I was like on the podium with Buckingham Palace behind me, like just completely elated because I, I lost to someone who is faster than me in a sprint, you know, on paper. Marion Voss was so dominant at the time as well. So before the race, I would have been happy with a top 10. So, you know, a silver medal was above and beyond expectation. And still, I think we'll probably be the highlight of my career just those games were just incredible i felt like i won yeah because it mm. translated an olympic medal it during london translated to everybody everyone in my community finally understood that I was a professional bike rider and not just skipping school for no reason it was really nice
1: <laughs> yeah so what do you do as a day job then <laughs> that's what you get what do you do oh i'm a cyclist yeah yeah yeah, yeah but how do you make money How'd you get by? <laughs> yeah, finally.
0: I do think we're in it. We are, seem to be more and more in um, a nation of cyclists. So.
2: That's thanks to you two in part, isn't it?
0: I hope so. Yeah, it's nice to think that Think that way, definitely.
2: So in the aftermath of big wins, like gee, I, I know you say that at stage races you can't celebrate, but there are also occasions where there is no race the next day. There's no race for a week or two. So what are the best celebrations that you've been involved in? And, gee, I'm, I'm thinking specifically... Of a nightclub in paris in 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 twenty eighteen,
1: yeah, that was just insane, really. The hardest bit of that though is it I pretty much won it after the time trial on stage twenty, but you still have a day to go, so you can't like I remember when I going back to the hotel and in previous tours, I'd switched off a bit and enjoyed it and had some beers with the boys and yeah, the next day you just roll around doesn't matter what happens we have don't have a sprinter, so we just sort of finish it but then obviously when I was in the yellow jersey I was like I don't want to not feel good basically or you know be under the weather a bit because I've had a couple of beers and have a bit of a fuzzy head so I just had the one with everyone and then went to bed and then just treated it as another day just delayed it for one more day and then yeah, in Paris was just insane it was it was almost like our wedding again except I was the bride this time because you know <laughs> in, in a wedding like it's all about your your wife isn't it but this time it was like, well, yeah, it was all about me. And all my family were there, like obviously my side, Sars' side. My best man was there, like a load of my mates from back home were there. And yeah, it was just insane. And and on the Champs-Élysées, there was like hundreds and of like Welsh flags out there and so many Welsh had come along. So yeah, that party was just, obviously, I would think it, but it was the best one I've had post-tour, obviously. And yeah, it just, it just escalated quickly, you know, by the end of the night, (laughs) Jeff Banks was there who actually did our wedding suits. He had his top off, you know, I think most of the people (laughs) had their tops off, boys, I'll I'll say, not the women.
0: Why do cyclists do that? (laughs) I don't know. Like. It's not like you've got the best bonds, is it?
1: No, you should be taking your trousers off anything. If you want to highlight a part (laughs) of your physique. (laughs) I'm not sure. Even that is not, you know, with the tan lines and everything, that's not a good sight either really, is it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I just remember Dave B coming up to me and just like, take your shirt off and just rips my shirt like buttons everywhere. I was like, okay, yeah. But yeah, it was just one of those nights, just really enjoyed, yeah.
0: Wow, my manager's never done that to me, thank goodness.
1: Yeah, I think that (laughs) would be a bit more of an issue, maybe. Yeah. But the track world's always used to be a good last night, though. You know, when we used to do them, I think they've changed a bit these days, but...
0: Yeah, I think they're a bit serious now.
2: What did you do in um, at the Worlds in 2015 then, Lizzie? Were you too tired to party or did you did you perversely get like a sudden wave of energy?
0: Oh, uh, we, yeah. It wasn't uh, anything like G's, unfortunately. I think we we went out, but we'd not eaten, which was not good. And uh, we... Oh, was a
2: recipe for trouble, yeah. We went
0: into a bar and someone asked me about tequila and I said, oh, I've never tried tequila. And they were like, oh.
2: Uh-oh.
0: Well, got to buy you some shots. And I think I ordered them and i overestimated how many people were with me and there was about 40 (laughs) shots and about six people (laughs) so it was a bit of an early night actually but yeah it was a shame (laughs) because it was in america and um it was a weird world championship so normally when you're the world champion the podium is done outside in front of the fans that were watching the race it's quite special moment but because it was in america it was quite commercial and the podium was in kind of this warehouse where they were like doing kind of a trade show and you had to buy tickets to go in there so the podium ceremony was a bit weird and then obviously I didn't have any friends and family so I was kind of more just like thinking about the flight home get me on the flight home and, and then I'll celebrate properly and I went I went straight to Ireland and spent some time with Phil and his family and it was really nice but um yeah yeah Nobody ripped
1: my shirt off, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one Road World Championships, I think it was Salzburg or somewhere, I was under twenty-three. And um we were the first race up, the women were after us. And we didn't win or anything, there was nothing really to celebrate, but I just remember being in bed, being sick, before the women even got back to the hotel. So that was <laughs> that was a quick night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stannard, Stannard, <laughs> he just kept giving me these shots and like yeah. Giving me his, basically, yeah.
0: There's something about cyclists, I think, when... Yeah. Because, yeah, we have such kind of... Not boring lives, but, you know, pretty strict regimes yeah, we're on. And then, it, yeah, it brings out the best in people. A few drinks, I think.
2: <laughs> what about what about the weirdest prizes you've ever won? So one of the lovely things about... And this could go back to when you were you were junior. One of the lovely things about cycling is how quirky it can be at times. And you'll often find, won't you, the organisers of races will try and bring like a little local touch to the to the prizes?
0: Yeah, I won um, a massive gallon size thing of vinegar in a Belgium Kermis. Uh, yeah, what? I don't know why. And they, they gave it to me on stage on the podium and I dropped it. And it, yeah, <gasps> the guy got glass in his leg and everything. <laughs>
2: yeah
0: i not, not the best. <laughs> and I won a hairdryer as well. Still use that. Good hairdryer. Yeah.
2: Did you? Where was that? In
0: uh, Holland, in uh, Drenthe.
2: Was that part of the, That wasn't the main prize, was it? Was that, that like some sort of bonus element from one of the sponsors? Yeah, it was a
0: bonus, yeah. Electrolux okay. sponsored it. I think the winner got a washing machine, but I got a hairdryer, which I was pretty happy with. But then, exactly. you know, like, tour of California, people have won cars and stuff, which is always a bit awkward because you kind of need to split the prize essentially if it's a prize like that between the teammates, which becomes a bit tricky when you've got a car on the wrong side of the world. But...
1: Yeah. I think somebody got offered that like a car or you can have cash and they chose the car. His teammates weren't happy.
0: No, you are <laughs> not For obvious win, reasons.
1: But I won a crate <laughs> of apples once and tore the Alps. A crate of apples? Yeah. They, I think they grow out a lot of apples around there. And also one of the, one of the races, they get this massive, is it a German shepherd dog? Are they big? Massive. Yeah, this dog was bigger than me. And I'm not, you know, I'm a bit wary of big dogs because, you know, you don't really know what they're going to do, do you? I don't know him. <laughs> he doesn't know me. And uh, I had to get down and have these pictures with him. And I was a little bit wary. But then, yeah, he was pretty relaxed fella. so oh, but
0: okay you didn't the win end. the dog.
1: No, I didn't win him. No, no. I had to <laughs> give him back. Just
0: got to have a picture
1: with the dog. Yeah, yeah. Wow. But I think what's the worst I'm trying to think of the worst one I've
2: had oh, a bad one is
1: when you win in Germany and you get those massive like beers
2: oh like a, it looks like a four pinter doesn't it with a proper foamy yeah jam, yeah you know? or even bigger
1: they're, they're huge these things and obviously you have a sip on the podium but then you got to just leave it you can't just take it with you you want to box it up son let me take it home you know what I mean <laughs>
2: What about when you you win your own weight in something, which like for ordinary people like me is is quite good, but it's a bit of a it's a bit of a rip off if you're a cyclist. It's totally different.
0: Yeah, I know girls that have won tomatoes before. What
2: their own weight in tomatoes? That's Gianni so random.
1: Moscon actually won his weight in salmon in Norway once. That was good because they kept bringing mm. it to loads of races. Then this salmon, like, was it smoked or was it uh, was it fresh? They mixed it up a bit. There was some smoke. There was some fresh. It was really nice. To be fair. Yeah, so good one, Jannie, for that. I won my weight in chocolate once, Junior Paris-Roubaix. And I remember them asking me how heavy I was, and I said something like 80 kilos, and they were, like, looking at looking at me up and down, like, <laughs> with those legs, you know, 80 kilos, mate. But um, they were, like, these tiny little, like, they looked like cobbles, basically. And they were they were bloody good. But I'm um, my weight in beer. I've won that twice, actually. When there's weight in beer on the line, I step up. And, uh... <laughs> <coughs> <laughs> one one was E3. It was the year we got married. So that was ideal. So Quaramount, the beer, Belgian beer. Yeah, I had my weight in beer there. And I don't think they... Because somebody had said it pr- before the race. And I don't think anyone's actually tried claiming it. But I was like, oh, well, get married in October could do with like, you know, 70 litres of beer. <laughs> spoke to them and they were a bit like, oh, oh really? Are you sure? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if you can, that'd be great. So then they ended up sending like as much as they could you know, I don't know what the customs rules were, but it was, it was a lot anyway. So in our wedding, there's loads of pictures of Evan walking around with like one litre bottles of Quaramount beer. So
2: yeah, that was good. Lizzie, are you someone who is competitive because you're, because you won such a lot? Are you competitive in every single area of your life? So at the, the dine and Christmas table, are you trying to win uh, monopoly? Are you, uh, you in bits if you don't win Cluedo?
0: No, do you know what? I think this is actually one of my weaknesses Um, as a professional athlete. I don't think I'm competitive enough. We were talking about this. We had a team psychology meeting on the training camp this week. And I think sometimes I miss that real attitude where, you know, I don't think a bike race has ever brought me to tears if I've not won. Or I'd be the person, if, if Monopoly was getting serious at home, I'd just be laughing at people. I just can't. Getting my head around people who take that kind of stuff too seriously—it's just not me. I think I'm really competitive with myself rather than with other people. You know, sometimes you look into the eye of a competitor like Marion navas Like I remember when I was younger doing kermesses in Belgium with her. You know, we'd just done, we just on—we were just doing it as a training race. Really, we just on bigger races. But her desire to win and her anger at not winning when she crossed the line—I just can't replicate that. Like I'm. I kind of all or nothing a bit, really. Like I have my goals that I'm focused on winning, and otherwise, I'm pretty laid back. I think.
1: Yeah, I kind of agree. There's part of me that, like, yeah, when you say Christmas Day, I still want to beat the in-laws, you know, like badly.
0: Ah, uh, you are competitive then.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but then I rationalise it when I lose because I'm like, well, it's just a ball game. What have you ever done? Have you ever won the tour? And I get all aggressive <laughs> then, and then doesn't sound like you've rationalised it no. at all it sounds like you're quite a sort of <laughs> yeah. yeah maybe I am but you're one of no, those annoying people no I'm not as bad as like Cav <laughs> Cav the, the board will be like thrown up against the wall and he'll storm out and he won't speak to you for weeks you know lad you're cheating <laughs> lad you can't do that but I agree with him in, in the rules though you gotta play properly if we're playing play by the rules don't be like doing some silly stuff now take it seriously and then then we can have organised fun you know what I mean oh um, no oh. <laughs> uh, but nah yeah I'm kind of halfway house with it really you want to win them but then at the end of the day you realise like you've got bigger fish to fry haven't you <laughs>
0: have you ever cried when you've
1: lost about grace <laughs> uh, actually to be fair this Giro that I just crashed out of I was I was close to tears end. just when I was speaking about the psychologist came in the room that was the issue and he starts like you know when they quiz you a bit yeah <laughs> oh, and they'd sort of like dig out these these emotions which you never really think about and suddenly I was like oh shit I'm tearing up now I can't cry now when I'm getting a massage and uh basically because it was like you know I'd obviously put a lot into trying to get fit for the tour and then that didn't happen and then I gave myself another six weeks to the Giro because I was like right that's fully commit to this now and in those six weeks I saw Max and saw maybe like four days and even prior to that you know we'd had a lot of training camps and races so you sacrifice a lot and um yeah I was just like, right I just really want to like do this now and prove myself to myself and to other people some people and um yeah, then for it to end like that so abruptly when you don't really get a chance to really show it,
0: yeah, I think that's different though to like if you had the chance and say from yeah
1: yeah totally, yeah yeah, that was yeah I was more upset because I was like pissing out like all that sacrifice and all that you know time away and things you miss and was basically for nothing in the end. Yeah, like I've never really got that upset about just coming second or not getting on the podium or whatever because at the end of the day you kind of think at that moment in time I did what I thought was right, like I didn't purposely go out there and try and lose that race and you try and learn from it and stuff like that. But yeah, I never get get super angry afterwards, like,
2: no. And does it change you, Lizzie, winning? Hmm. I hope not. I I don't
1: think it's changed Lizzie, but it's definitely changed some people. There's a lot of divas in cycling. Like once you've won a few races, they just like, yeah, suddenly they're demanding stuff, which they've never like, you know, asked for before. You see, you you do see quite a few people change, to be fair. Not Lizzie though. What about you, Tom? Have you ever won a
2: bike race? (laughs) Do you know what wins are for me? The The last cross race I did, uh, which was up in Skipton and the mud was ludicrous and there were let's say there's about 78 people in my veterans age category and I think I finished 23rd and that felt like a massive win to me because I'd finished I think 40th so basically I did a massive puke when I crossed the line and so I knew I'd given everything I had and I felt amazing, that was my little cheeky win 23rd in a meaningless northwest cyclocross race in Skipton <laughs> Sweet well
1: cheers, thanks for that Lizzie that was uh great to chat
0: thanks for having me guys
1: Tom
2: your Zwift journey continues what's news this week well tell you what G because most of my time on Zwift has been spent in the depths of winter um, today I've been utilizing my Zwift legs out in the real world and it's been rather nice like was I massively quicker as I cycle through the Cheshire lanes around Knutsford? I'd like to think a little bit quicker at least good stuff It's all working then. Yeah, I think so, G. And if you fancy giving Zwift a try, just go to Zwift.com to start your free trial. Also, that means you can join our club ride every Wednesday at 6pm. Everyone's welcome.
1: Well, Tom, you're still here as our chairperson. It looks like you're going to see out the first series of
2: the GTCC, doesn't it? Yeah, I've made some sort of massive tactical error here, G. I don't know how this has slipped past me, because my whole ethos as chairperson has been to give other people jobs, yet i failed to give away my own job. (laughs) Anyway, should we crack on with any other business then? Yeah, absolutely. Here's what we've got for today, G. We'll start with the appointments as usual. Now, we've got a couple of GTCC social secretaries already, haven't we? But we've had this suggestion from Jeff Abram. He said, why don't we have regional social secretaries? Now, I think one of the reasons for this is Jeff would like to put himself forward for North West England. He says, we could use our cycling clubhouse as a social base. It just happens to be a Manchester-based microbrewery and craft beer tap house called the Secret Sip and Courtyard based in Royton, Manchester. Not a bad clubhouse. I'm sure you will agree. Listen, Jeff, I do agree massively. You had me at microbrewery. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that, Tom. I'd say he's, he's right in there. Nice. Well, I mean, microbrewery just means they make a small number of beers, doesn't it? It doesn't mean like it's a really small brewery that only five GTCC members will be able to get into.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's not a brewery for the borrowers.
2: But uh, yeah, no, I like that. I like that. Sound of that. Right. Perfect. Listen, if you fancy being a regional social secretary, just get in touch in all the usual places. We've also had an email from Paul McGlone, who'd like to be a social secretary. He's even stated in his email header that it is a, capital letters G, formal application. So, Paul, tell us where you live. We'll allocate you to a region. G, he also seems to be the director of an investment bank. So I don't know if he can help us out with some finances. Oh,
1: very nice. So, um, yeah, we got a tipster. So we can win a load of winnings and then this guy can invest it all for us. (laughs) Perfect. We're not just a a podcast for,
2: you know, entertainment here. We're looking after people's, well, finances as well, aren't we? Yeah, I don't know how good Paul is. That's the only question. A bit like our tipster. Paul, I would like to see some evidence of how good your investments have been. Because we can all invest. It's where the investments come off. He's just going to rinse us, isn't he, this guy? (laughs) It's, It's some big, big fraud. That's what it is. Yeah, he's going to ask for the GTCC bank account number first, isn't he, and say that he can transfer £20,000 into our account as soon as we give him the details. We've also had a lovely message from Edwin, who lives in Singapore. He sent in a picture of his son, and his son's name, Geraint, is Geraint. He's named him after you. And he'd like to put (laughs) his hat in the ring for the position of the GTCC Asia representative. Surely, surely he's in. Most
1: definitely, especially with a name like Geraint in Asia. Yeah, fair play, 100%. He's a, Asia
2: ambassador for sure. I mean, you've had issues with people trying to get the correct pronunciation of Geraint. You've been Garant, you've been you've been Grant, I believe, at times as well, haven't you? So quite how people are going to deal with Geraint in Singapore could be interesting. Should we do some shout-outs to finish, G?
1: Yeah, OK, so I've got one here. First one goes to Steve Mills, who's, if you don't remember, is our health and safety ambassador. He's got back in touch to say, don't worry about the high or the clipboard. We'll be checking for helmets, matching
2: kit and sock length. So there you go, team. You know what Steve's going to be looking out for. Here's a nice one, G. Jonathan Boothroyd wants a shout-out for his mate, Dale. He says, G's a great inspiration to us all, but I'd like to acknowledge the inspiration these guys provide me. Dale suffered a massive heart attack after coming in second on a crit race. He came close to losing his life, but we soon had him back on his bike. And this is him crossing the finish line of the hundred k around the Bay Ride a few months later with our cardiac rehab cycling team. What a ledge! And finally, G, here's one for you. Paul James says he's new to cycling and he'd like some advice on remembering to pull up on the pedals when he's clipped in. He also said, "How do you make this a natural motion that you don't need to think about?" And he says, "I think you found a gripetto man too." Now. My understanding on this, G, which won't be as good as yours, is that this whole thing about pulling up on the pedals was a bit of a misnomer because you're, something about your calf muscles can't contract quickly enough to do it and it's more about the analogy of the pedals as a football and you sort of roll your foot over the football down the other side and then roll your foot back over the football.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like asking someone, how do you walk? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's just something you do I don't know I don't think about it um, I, I would say though riding a track bike helps with your pedalling because obviously there's no freewheeling and it, it is a well you know your, your, your legs are sort of I don't know it's a different feeling I think that, that definitely helps with the pedal stroke um, yeah the football analogy I guess works I don't know I just pedal mate but I don't know you do see some people like stomp like um julian Wynne, who used to be a welsh he rode for wales commie games all sorts he was a professional for a few years and he just used to like stomp the pedals like as if he was like pistons really and it's really ugly sort of he was a nice guy he was he was actually a handsome chap but his pedaling style was uh yeah was, wasn't it wasn't the nicest yeah he needed to get on the track but um yeah let's go with the football analogy anyway yeah roll the football
2: guys Paul, the other thing that I've seen people do is practice with one-legged pedalling drills. So you just unclip one foot and pedal with one foot and then switch it around. And if that will help at all, but either way, don't be a Julian, yeah? And if
1: you fancy listening to another pod on your rides this week,
2: Tom, what can our listeners try out? Yeah, how about this one, G? How about Death of a Sports star? It's presented by the legendary Elroy Spoonface Powell. You can check out episodes about Kobe Bryant, about Payne Stewart, Marco Pantani, Flojo, John Olomu and more. There's a new episode out every Monday. Just search for Death of a Sports Star. We'll see you next time. That was the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club. Thanks to our new social secretaries, Jeff Abraham and Paul McGlone, and to our Asia ambassador, Edwin, to our head of social media, Fionn Clark, our head of music, Emma Hickman, our treasurer, Diane Barker, and our honorary president, Mike Carr. And of course, to you for listening. Crowd Network. A place where you belong.